Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I'm Peter Engler, along with uh, co-host John Amayo and our producer, Dylan Carnival. We have a wonderful, timely bonus episode with two of my favorite people, Chloe and Sephora Sparkman. We are uh, responding to the question, why is everyone just starting to talk about racism? Uh, Chloe and Zipporah are from uh, our Browncroft family. They attend um, uh, Browncroft Elevate, our student ministries, and we just wanted to have a conversation. John, um, let's get us started. You know, what are some of your thoughts? You know, we've been thinking about Ahmaud Arbery, um, George Floyd, mm. and um, just so many things. And I don't know, get us started as you think about this question today. Wow. Wow. Well, getting us started is not easy. I think about I think about the tragedy, the senseless violence that was uh, committed that we all saw faced like right in front of our faces. That that George Floyd video, I think, mm-hmm. brought to to light the reality of a lot of people. And I think the only place to really start is to go. That was murder that was horrible there's something deep within uh some of our hearts that this racism thing is not a thing of the past it's it's a current thing and i think all of us look at that and for many people it was a wake-up call Mm. that that this isn't just a thing of the past unfortunately i think many members of the black community have known this and and they've been trying to say this for a long time but it wasn't until people saw it with their own eyes that they said wow this is actually a deal and now all of a sudden you know to go to our question for the day this is like well why is everybody just starting to talk about this i've um so we interviewed um, Zippy and Chloe's dad, uh, Torrance. I think Will Smith said this, but um, and I'm probably butchering the quote, but I think he said, you know, basically the only difference between today and 50, 60, hundreds of years ago is there's cameras. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that just kind of breaks my heart. And, you know, just the one thing we did a pre-conversation is um, the bulk of the New Testament is about the church responding to racism. And I just think about how the writers of scripture are so clearly dead set against racism and prejudice. So, Hmm. um, yeah, Chloe and Zippy, let's, um, let's kind of get started. I, I just want to start with this kind of question. Um, you've probably gotten a lot of phone calls and a lot of texts. Yeah. Um, how does that make you feel? You know, what, um, what's been encouraging, what's been discouraging, you know, just, just tell us where you're at. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Um, I, I, you know, majority of what I've received has been positive or just, you know, Hey, I'm here for you. People asking, are you okay? Like, how's your family during the, doing, during the situation? Like, um, asking about the protest and uh, I had one friend ask like well I, I tagged her in a post for my Instagram story and she was like well do you mind if I don't post it right now I just want to educate myself more and I was like perfect that's great please educate yourself um I think the only one thing that or one like negative or 
offhand comment that I received was the all lives matter comment on my black lives matter post Mm -hmm. so that was the only thing that was a little deterrent but I feel like the response at least for my immediate like family and friends has been pretty positive in terms of saying they hear you they they hear you they see you Mm. and they are trying to understand the situation I think is really important yeah Mm. yeah so so let me just jump in there because you just dropped a little bomb there I think that's really really important to talk about like somebody was it one of your friends that kind of retorted with all lives matter when you posted about black lives matter what how did that Um, or just a it was a classmate gotcha um acquaintance yeah it was a yeah classmate who just saw my story um well I had posted after like I think maybe the second night after the whole um George Floyd video came out Mm -hmm. I watched the video and then I posted on my story a picture of me and my dad Mm. it's like this is my dad he is a black man he lives in America he lives with his two kids his daughters and my mom Mm -hmm. and um I shouldn't have to worry when he leaves the house in the morning that he won't get to come back Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I want to hear how his day was and I want him to be able to come home and say that he made it home safely, that mm. he didn't ha- wasn't stopped because of the color of his skin mm. and didn't make it home because of the color of his skin. So I kind of, I posted that and how I was feeling on it. And then I said, black lives matter. And then, so that's the response wow. I got to what was the only one, but he just said all lives matter. I was like, well, you're right, but that's not the point of yeah. saying black lives matter. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed even as you were talking about that, that there's some emotion to that yeah, there, with you. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, to continue the that part of that night was after I posted that, you know, obviously I'm frustrated that the situation even happened and I, the video is painful to watch. Yeah. I just went downstairs and I was talking to my dad and then I just I was like, Dad, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. And then I got in his lap and I cried Mm. over him I cried over my dad like Mm. he's he's fine he's doing great he probably went on a jog this morning but you know it was just like just appreciating every moment that I have with him Mm. on a different level than I have before I think there's always been a fear of racism in the back of my mind Mm. but maybe because of the area that we live in or whatever it's the tension is not always there that I, it's never always been a worry. But if that, so if the incident with George Floyd so easily happened, where the, if you really want to get technical with it, the charge was forgery, which is not yeah. a violent, mm-hmm. which is not a violent charge. Um, and he was sitting in his car when he was apprehended. So um, for that to just so easily happen, mm-hmm. that was like, that, that was scary because just as easily. What if my dad was sitting in his car Mm -hmm. or even got mixed up with the wrong person Mm -hmm. and then he just doesn't come home that night. Mm. So I think that was the emotional part for me is realizing like it doesn't matter where you live or or the situation that you find yourself in personally. It's really the color of your skin when you walk out that door. Mm. So Zippy, I want to just give you some time to respond to that question that we started, you know, how are you Mm -hmm. feeling? Um, you know, and then, you know, Chloe just brought up a lot that we just (laughs) want to find more, but where where are you at Zippy? Um, I think my friends are, 
Um, doing very similar things to what Chloe's, um, Chloe's mentioned. Um, my friends have been reaching out or my closest friends have been reaching out um, and just posting stuff on their story saying, you know, we, we stand for you. We're here for you. We can't fully experience what you're going through, but we we're standing with you. Um, I think because my grade and my age is a little l- less mature, they're having a harder time really wrapping their minds around it. So I've had maybe two friends, but I haven't really had a person or a friend text me and be like, hey, I, I'm here for you and I stand for you. I haven't had really someone just take that role, take that supportive role. I think that just might be my, you know, our age. I mean, I'm only 16, about to turn 16. So I mean, that might take some time for my friends to become more um, comfortable with that role. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have been posting on their stories and if they haven't been posting on their stories, then I mean, it's kind of hard to tell where their heart lies, but that's, you know, ultimately up to them to make that, um, shape their lives and shape their own, you know, mindsets. So what you're, what you're saying is what would mean the most to you is when your friends, I mean, first of all, number one, reach out, but number two, it just kind of just being present. It's not about talking through things. Yeah. Definitely, because this is this is a time of learning. I think being in quarantine was no coincidence. I think that we we've all been stuck in the house with our family, with families, with our loved ones for a reason. And I think that if I have a friend reaching out to me saying that I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to, you know, open my mindset, then that is really powerful. Now that that really makes a big impact on our friendship, on how I feel about that person. It just makes me trust you more because it reminds me that you do see my color. You do do see who I am. And it just, it makes me feel more comfortable with the relationship. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So much there that both of you guys have already (laughs) shared. This is unbelievable. This is great. Um, I, I'm just thinking, I'm, my mind, I can't get away from what you shared, Chloe, when you were talking about going to your dad and just saying, I'm just so thankful you're here, you know, and, and just crying with him. Mm-hmm. How has your family talked about this? Like as a family, I assume there's been some conversations about mm-hmm. this. Like h- how have you processed this together? Um, um, has it just been over time, like millions of little combos or big one or just, I don't know, that was that, was that kind of your way of processing it? I'm just trying to figure the, out how, cause you come from a wonderful family. I, I, well, at least I think so. You know, I, lo- I, so I love your parents, but I know most teenagers, you know, my, so. my daughter thinks so. Yeah. And so my daughter, so. That's what really counts. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in many ways, I, I, yeah, I respect your parents a lot and I go, wow, I, I, I'm curious how you've discussed this as a family. Um, I think recently that was probably the biggest, you know, mm-hmm emotional type of conversation that we've had behind the whole thing, Mm -hmm. or at least for me, my biggest emotional Mm -hmm. time over that. Um, But I feel like it's always been kind of a conversation in our household, just Mm -hmm. because we are the definitely the minority in Penfield where um, I don't know what 2% definitely no more than 5% at our school is black. So, or people of color. So it's a conversation that happens often. Mm -hmm. It just became a a more focused conversation since Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd's death. Um, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's been more focused and um we we had to talk about like the hate that was behind the racist acts. I feel like mm. I feel like a lot of times when we see racism, it's out of fear a lot of time, but I feel like at least the George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, those were both hateful. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily like a fear reaction. Mm. That was that was like hate. You could see mm-hmm. almost the hate in his eyes when yeah. he put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Yeah. So that was more of what we talked about and how like blatant it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a there's a scene in Remember the Titans when the two coaches are talking and uh, you know, the I'm forgetting, I think it was, his name was coach bill, his daughters at the house of coach Boone after a brick gets thrown in there. Mm. And um, you know, just they're going back and forth and Denzel Washington says, now you know what my daughter go through every single night. Mm. Um, You know, as you were talking about your dad and you're talking about, you know, just your family you know, help people understand where you're at. Just, I mean, just talking about Penfield, I think people, so we record this podcast from Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. Rochester's where Frederick Douglass, right. you know, resided. You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think, oh, we're upstate New York. We're not the South. Mm-hmm. But talk about, you know, exactly. <laughs> we. I bring this up because we've had this conversation before, yeah. mm-hmm. but just kind of share kind of your experiences oh, and feelings. I'll mm-hmm. share a quick. Or no, it goes I'll go cause, first because I'll talk forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Chloe and I have, have very similar experiences. I think um, at school, I think that's when you can kind of see people's true intentions, whether it's they really want to educate or I think for teachers, I'll say for teachers right now, if they really want to educate, if they really want to, um, you know, make a difference and how they interact with their students of color mm-hmm. has really really opened my eyes because when we lived in Texas we went to um a a very very diverse school there were there people from all pretty much majority of the races and um when we moved here there's just a huge culture shift you know like not seeing as many black students or not seeing as many Asian students has you know had a damper on my social life in a in a way Mm um but yeah uh here I'll let you go Okay, well, she's right about the whole Texas thing. Our school was very diverse in Texas, and and we lived in Houston. But I just think the South in general, the racism is almost blatant. Like, mm. you just go out, and you can feel it, and you're like, okay, I know where I stand. You know where you stand. We'll just go our separate ways. There's no need for us to interact. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of that. And, you know, you just move on and go on about your day. But here, there's a different type of microaggression with the racism. It's like little little stuff that mm, happens. That's so true. And it's like, did you really just say that? Like, <laughs> mm, do you yeah, even I've know what you my, said? Yeah, I've had some of my friends talk to me about some of the things that people have said to them, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my goodness. Oh, but but so, do you have a few examples of some yeah. of the, that little stuff? Um, so. My mom had to remind me of this, actually, is that um, one day, you know, going home from school, I was going to my bus and a teacher directed me to the urban suburban bus. I don't live in 
the city of Rochester. I live mm. in Penfield. So for you to assume that I'm an urban suburban kid because I'm black is wrong. Mm. I don't, I'm not an urban suburban kid. Well, that's a wonderful program. I am not a part of it. Yeah. So that was, that's just one small example of how like, kind of like, are you serious right now? Mm. Like, did you really just profile me like that? Um, I think a lot of my experiences have been in school. Um, uh, one teacher, me and my other black classmate were talking about our parents and where we go for the summer and um, what we're, we're talking about where we go for the summer and what our parents do. That's that's what it was, what our parents do. Um, her mom is a principal at a city school and my mom is a professor at MCC. My dad's a professor at RIT. And our teacher was like, oh, wow wow your teachers oh wow your parents are educators wow like just mm. beyond shocked that our parents could live and that we lived in penfield too i think really? we also mentioned we were like oh yeah we live in i live here and she lives there yeah. she was like wow wow mm. and it was almost like a like, what do you expect? Like, we're just like the rest of our peers. And even people that do live in the city just doesn't mean that you automatically fit the profile of Avenue D. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's still, there's a one girl that I know who was in an urban-suburban program. Her house was very big, and her parents were educators, and this whole thing. She just lived in the city. It didn't mean that she fit the normal black profile i don't know if that makes sense but sure. the normal black stereotype yeah yeah so even some of the assumptions you can tell when people are making assumptions based off of your race like mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. flat out making assumptions mm-hmm. and and oh yeah the shock in people's eyes mm-hmm. as you're describing mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. i can tell that that has an impact as you're talking about it even like that they were shocked to that level mm-hmm. you know uh, Zippy, how about you? Have you experienced any of that mm. as you reflect? I don't think I've experienced any like blatant examples. Like yeah. anyone, like I can pick up on that immediately. But like maybe afterward, I'll be like, really? Like, what was your intention in asking me that? Mm-hmm. Or um, I have friends who will sometimes be like, so tell me about your hair. Like, do you really only like wash it twice a month? Like. Yeah, like that's my hair. Like, or um, what do you do to keep your skin? So you know, like just like little things that that have to do with who I am as a black teen. You know, as a black girl, and I mean, I haven't really experienced anything with teachers. I don't think. Yeah. The, the oh yes the, yes I have. <laughs> there we go. Yes I have. So um, this is thank this you, is sister. why yeah this is why we want to interview both of you. So. Right. There yes. You go. yes. We'll yes, definitely play off each other. Yes. <laughs> so um, let's see. Where does the story even start? So in seventh grade, um, that class, my history class, was more of an introduction to. Um, you know, how America started and how, what is the foundation of America? So right from, from hearing that statement, you can, you probably think about, you know, slavery or, um, you know, the, um, 13 colonies. Um, and so this day, particular day in class, we were talking about slavery and like Chloe mentioned, I'm the only black girl, black student in this class. Like there's nobody else who 
probably even remotely is feeling what I'm feeling because, you know, sometimes teachers will bring up slavery in everyone's head and the class will go and look right at you mm. or they'll say, you know, different things like that. And so we were talking about slavery and she had us fill out these worksheets. So I'm already uncomfortable with the situation. I already feel alone. I already feel, you know, kind of targeted in a way without, you know, feel really being targeted. But she's handing out these worksheets and you see a picture of a boat and you see slaves laying down on the on the boat. And she's like, "Okay, guys, Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to um, draw in slaves in the boat. Where you see missing or where you see um, empty spots, you're going to draw a slave. And I'm like, I literally went quiet for the rest of the day. Mm. I was silent. I couldn't move. I, I, by the time that the, the bell rang, I was sobbing. Mm. And all my classmates are like, what is going on with her? Like, why is she so emotional? Why is she being so sensitive? But I mean, being the only black girl, that's, that was just my experience. And I had to go through that alone with a teacher who was so, you know, ignorant. Like she had no idea what she was really doing. She just didn't know. And as a seventh grader, I didn't know how to say what I needed to say to her or to feel like, feel like she understood that what she did was too far to like she was pushing the limits so we did other worksheets like um pick up the crops um pick up the cotton it was it was really ridiculous I mean like even even sitting here thinking back on it and that was what like four years ago three years ago and it's, it's ridiculous so my parents um <laughs> they are educators they did their job <laughs> they were like we need to have a meeting with the principal we need to have a uh, meeting with her with the um i don't know if the superintendent was there i he might he definitely been. got a phone call they're friends oh definitely yeah. definitely <laughs> they definitely made sure they roped him in that conversation because they were like if you have a teacher who does not know the value, the, the importance of what she's saying and is impacting our young your my my young black girl that's unacceptable if she doesn't re even realize what she's doing or she doesn't um, understand how her actions impacted a black girl. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher tried to play it out as, oh, I didn't know Zipporah was so sensitive. No, 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 no. You're just, you just don't understand. Like be able to take a step back and understand that I'm sorry. I didn't know. I need to change. I need to learn. So, I mean, that, that, in seventh grade that experience was really sh like shaking like shake like I couldn't you know fully grasp it but being able to talk about it now is 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 rewarding I think mm. being able to get that off my chest because for so long I I couldn't really express you know everything that all the emotions that were coming out of that experience so let me ask you both this um and we talked about this pre-show. We're we're talking to Chloe and Zipporah. Mm -hmm. You don't <laughs> represent the black community. You share a perspective. And we've said that on other episodes. Mm -hmm. um, here's the deal. <clears throat> uh, John and I, at some point, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, the white people that I do life with, they're going to make a mistake mm -hmm. and say something that might not intentionally have been um, racist, but comes across as a microaggression. I think that's mm -hmm. a fair way mm -hmm. to say mm -hmm. it. What would you like our response to be in that moment? And 
how can we respond better and even listen better? And how do we even create the environment where where you don't feel like, you know what, I, I'm not sure if I bring this up, if they're really going to receive it. Um, you know, just kind of talk about that, to, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm thinking about other people who are listening to this podcast that they have black friends and they're afraid to say something. But I also think it's important that, you know, when something said, I want, I want both of you to have permission to say, Hey, I don't think you meant it this way, but let me tell you how I received it. Mm -hmm. What do relationships like that look like? Um, I think, I think first, I think saying something is okay. And it needs to be said because we want to know that you're thinking about something like in terms of, you know, you said being afraid to say the wrong way or something. I want to be able to hear you say something so I then can correct you. If I really want you in my personal circle, you shouldn't really have a problem talking about it and being willing to educate and not be defensive with the words that I have to say and how it makes Mm -hmm. me feel Mm -hmm. and how it reflects on you and our community and relationship. So with that, I think I personally would be like, well, hey, let's talk about it this way. Or you should rephrase it to this. Um, I think it's really important. The education piece for me is really important Mm -hmm. Um, for my friends. I think I expect that they want to be educated almost like I don't I don't want you to be like, oh, like, I don't know, just ignoring or oblivious to situations that are going on around you. I want to see that you're trying to learn. You're trying to understand Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whether that's reading books or having a conversation with me or asking me, how do I feel? Well, sometimes that can be exhausting. I like to know that it's in your head. You know what I mean? Like Mm. you're thinking about it, you're processing it. It Mm -hmm. gives a little bit of comfort. Um, like Sephora said earlier that in the relationship where, you know, there's a level of trust that's introduced when you can have a conversation about race. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What you were just talking about is something again we talked about a little bit ahead of time was how i you know i i i appreciate the fact that you're willing to talk about these things with people but i could only imagine how exhausting that would be mm-hmm. after a while oh, and to feel kind of the responsibility <laughs> of it too like that's oh, a yeah. lot of responsibility to feel right it is like sometimes you just want to talk about tiktok like right. what we were talking before yeah, yeah. <laughs> Snapchat. Great. Let's, let's, yeah. But mm-hmm. but for your f- to feel the responsibility of that, mm-hmm. especially if you're one of the only people in your community that mm-hmm. that's represent like I'm, I can't imagine being in those shoes, you mm-hmm. know. So can you ex- ex- yeah. express a little bit about that? Sure. Um, wow. I think God has given us a gift and a burden in a way, Mm -hmm. a gift of being able to express your story in a way that many people aren't able to, um, in the same respect, it is a burden to be, to feel it, to, um, to have to feel like you have to constantly explain yourself or, um, uh, validate yourself. So that just gets really tiring. Um, I recently had a conversation with one of my mentor mentors. Um, she, she really told us and a few other uh, black girls um, from around the area, she said, it is not your responsibility to educate. Mm -hmm. It is not your responsibility to make it seem any simpler. Mm -hmm. 
for mm-hmm. anybody else. Um, just as much as you have access to the internet, so do they. So do they have in, access to Google, mm-hmm. um, to to different sites that they can educate themselves and be, um, you know, in influence and be influenced by other perspectives. So. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that that's an interesting comment because I even was like, I told two of my friends that reached out or said something post this one girl posted on her story and I slid up and I was like, thank you for saying this. Thank you for using your privilege to share your thoughts. She was like, do not thank me. This is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then I had my mentor came by the house the other day and was like, or I was telling her how I felt about um, babysitting in this climate. And she was like, you should, and I was, well, I should guess I should explain. We were talking about um, me as majority of my families that I babysit for are white. And actually most of them are from here, the church. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about like them inviting me into their houses, showing their children a level of empathy and love that mm-hmm. everyone should exist and that they extend the same courtesy of love to me as I do to them. Um, and so in a way that's teaching them how to love love others while mm-hmm. they might not directly know about it so anyways I was just saying I appreciate that that while parents not might not always understand the level of impact that they have by inviting me into their house and allowing me to babysit their children I appreciate it and she was like well you shouldn't have to like say thank you or whatever they should just do it because it's right and so that also kind of put me in place it's it's we're always I feel like at least me I was Mm -hmm. I always say, while it's not my responsibility, it's always going to be my job to educate others. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily always have a problem with it. I think it does get exhausting and I need to take breaks from it. Like, I just got to be like, okay, you go read a book. I'm done talking to you. Go read a book. Um, and White Fragility is a good book to read. And, you know, there's podcasts to mm-hmm. listen to. Just just go take some moment for yourself. Um, but I I don't want my friends to be afraid to talk to me i think is really important Mm. yeah that's true Mm. you know it's um uh, there's a professor i know you know he's written a ton of books not just on um not just on race but commentaries on the bible and so i think two years ago when there were some issues of racism he goes i've written like 20 articles like do your homework right you know (laughs) So, I, I mean, I just kind of want to affirm, you know, just kind of what John said. It's not all on you. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think what your mentor said is correct. And, um, you know, what I'm curious about is what are some things that, that you valued? So you shared about just being able to babysit kids no. and like to be, able- you know, this kid grew up, you know, with, with me as their babysitter. Mm-hmm. It's going to change. What are you know, what are some actions that just mean a lot to you in this season that it's not, we're going to have this big discussion on racism? Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Um, let's see. I think one of the most affirming um, events or moments that has happened for me is when I am appreciated as a leader at Browncroft. Wow. I think... Um, one time I had a student who had autism uh, and I, you know, I was I was really curious to find out ways 
to better support him and make sure he felt comfortable because that's a family that could potentially stay at Browncroft and that's a student who could who I could impact and I could influence so um, I talked to Cody um, when he was our student uh, leader student uh, you know what am I looking for pastor pastor thank you um so I was like what should I do and he um he gave me some tools and some information so when the time came I was like you know what let's let's go to the youth room let's you know take a breather let's calm down and everything will you know reset so we took some time in the youth room we talked and then we came back and then you know he was you know better um, able to focus and everything just ran smoothly from then on so um a couple days ago about a week ago I had my small group leader Kim she came to the house and she was like um I just wanted to say thank you because we had that that student's grandparents say we know this leader she was incredibly kind and patient with our grandson and we just wanted to tell you guys about that Mm. so Kim came to our house to appreciate uh just appreciate me and that was really affirming it it doesn't really have all that much to do with the race, but I mean, it, it lets me know that I was appreciated and that, you know, while I am a black girl, my, my, uh, my heart is still valued. Who I am as a person is still important. Mm-hmm. Uh, my identity in a way isn't only a black girl. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's so important too. And we get like, obviously it's easy to get caught up in, the only identity being a black girl in Penfield. But Mm -hmm. I think support is absolutely right when it's just a personal, um, when you just recognize as a freaking person, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) we're still human and we have feelings and it just life goes on and I want to be treated like a person. So I think that's, that's probably the, Mm. just the most calming thing. Um, for me, in terms of being recognized, I think, at least at the school, I, I, for an example, at the school, it's just um, when when my superintendent and principal have to talk about certain things, they'll often include me as a person of color to give a different type of perspective. I think that's really important when, mm-hmm. you know, creating um anything (laughs) to Mm -hmm. almost just kind of make sure you include a person of color's perspective um like a panel for example Mm -hmm. that's an easy way to include another perspective into the situation um at my school we did a staff development day my the mosaics club which is the diversity club at our school did a staff development day and basically we put together like a panel and questions regarding race and race issues that happen within the K through 12 system. And we just had a regular conversation about it with all the staff. And that was like, good. I was like, wow, yes, Penfield, Mm. do that. You know, because it just, it shows that you care and it shows that you're not leaving someone out. So I think that's also really important. And even for other groups of people, I think just including them in the conversation and showing that you know, you see them and that you hear them Mm. is really important. And, um, yeah, just brings another level of trust. There we go. Trust. You know, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, we had an interview a while ago where, you know, a woman shared, she's like, I was working at an organization and I came to the meeting and it seemed like everybody had a pre-meeting without me. Mm. Um, and it just, 
you know, it's moments like that that gets everybody thinking like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to have a side conversation with someone, why don't you have include everybody like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think what I'm hearing you say is, you know, even as you talk about school and church, like there's a level of this is messy and this is really complicated but it's really worth it. Mm-hmm. Is that? It is. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's rewarding. It is rewarding because you feel appreciated, you know? Mm-hmm. And you feel like even after 400 years of much of, you know, the lives of black families being the same, when you, this is just the little things that show you appreciate it and you are opening your mind towards change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I I think about one of the questions that that we ask you ahead of this was, hey, what's on your heart? What do you want to share? And Chloe, you know, you you were saying this. I think, Zippy, you were were agreeing with this, was just you wanted to talk where racism comes from, Mm. being a a thing of the heart. Mm. I was just like, "That's, that's so amazing, first and foremost so mature of you (laughs) that that's where your thoughts go you know and i i would we didn't we didn't expound on it in that moment ahead of time but i would just love to hear your thoughts about that you know how you how you're processing that like what does that mean to you when you say that when you say that this is a this is something that comes from your heart what what does that mean to you um i think i think racism is like you said, it's an issue of your heart. You know, mm. you, it, it's equivocated with fear and hate. And that's just not, that's just not right. You know, there's mm-hmm. right and there's wrong and that's just not right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, when I say it's an issue of your heart, there should be a level of empathy and concern and um, love that is shown, especially as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called, called mm-hmm. to show empathy and we're called to show love and I just think that should be a part of you know growing up and as you learn that's those are the characteristics that you learn as a kid when you're first you know share with your neighbor you know play with your neighbor mm-hmm. those are just basic things that we learn as children and that's also another thing to talk about is that how our children are our future and so they're watching us and they're watching our hearts mm-hmm. as we you know act out and whether we show love to other people or whether we show hate to other people. And I think it's really important, like ask yourself, is this action loving toward this person? Am I showing empathy toward this person? Um, what, and whether that's in a racial setting or, mm-hmm. or racially charged or whatever. But it beyond racism, racism is the word that we use, but it's hate and it's mm. fear. And so, yeah i don't know if that kind of makes sense but yeah 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 that makes total sense and i i think yeah labeling it hate that oh oh wow that has a little bit more of a punch to it maybe (laughs) well i mean racism has a punch but you can kind of say well i you know that's not me right but right no we all need to check our hearts Mm -hmm. and say do i have hate in there that that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I think you can know that is what comes out of your mouth. You know, Jesus says out of the overflow of your, your heart, mm-hmm. which you just said, I didn't get that. <laughs> from, by the way, you said th- yeah, that's 
good to bring up. I, I didn't bring it up. You brought it up. Um, <laughs> so out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So mm-hmm. if you're finding things coming out of your mouth that are hateful, it probably means you got some hate in your right. heart. Right. I don't know. I mean, I... Kinda, you check yourself yeah, a little yeah, bit check, there. Yeah. You know, and if just you, yeah. think about it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And if you don't realize they're hateful and someone else says, you know what, that sounds kind of hateful to me, yeah. you probably should pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were having a, a conversation with our mom last night, um, and she was um, telling us the difference between pity and being sympathetic to mm-hmm. empathy and really walking with a person and what they're going through because you can have pity for a person and be like oh that's so sad poo poo on you <laughs> like like that's that doesn't show that's me that you want to hear no yeah. not at all it doesn't show me that you care um but being empathetic really sh- shows you that i am not alone in this although my 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 supporter my person um doesn't experience what i'm experienced to the full fullest extent i can still rely on them and mm. yeah i think that's another thing that comes from the heart because it's it your true character shows in 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 situations like this mm-hmm. yeah so both are sh- both show mm-hmm. the- they do yeah whether you're being you know sympathetic or whether you're being empathetic mm. you know let me just ask you kind of this as you dream of the future um you know you might get married someday and have kids um and to think about god redeeming this moment what would it look like in the future to for your kids and for you as adults to say we've made a lot of progress you mm-hmm. know i i think about this what would it look like for you your kids to go to school what would it look like for your kids to go to church Mm. you know help us see that that future that dream so to speak i'm gonna say for me it's for me especially if i have a boy it's for me not to be afraid for them a Mm. part of for the color of their skin Mm. and i think black parents right now are always thinking like, well, should I allow my, I know for a fact, for example, there was a protest a couple years ago and I wanted to go to it. And I asked dad, can I go to this protest? And he said, no. And I said, why? And he said, well, you're a black girl. So, you know, you're not the most, um, I don't, I don't know how to lightly say this, but he's like, well, it, it just might not be safe for you, Hmm. you know? And to have that, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> type of realization. It's like, well, wow, that's really the only reason why I'm really not going on this protest. He's like, that's not really safe for you as a black girl. Mm. Um, I think for me, the redeeming part of the future is for me not to have to feel that way as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, um, it's being able to remind myself that everything doesn't have to be perfect, that this world is not perfect that you know as much change as we make there's still going to be evil people there's still going to be people whose hearts hearts aren't in check and like chloe mentioned being able to feel comfortable with having a son or a daughter who's black um you know just just to live their life and not have to feel like they're always being watched or being you know like they have a a target on their back so yeah yeah wow wow I just want to sit in that for a second because what you both shared was was 
beautiful yet simplistic and i think um yeah it just speaks to our current reality mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. uh as well as what could be so i appreciate you guys sharing mm-hmm. yeah and i appreciate you being here with of course, us yeah yes. thank you for having it's us so good i feel like i'm learning a lot just listening from you so it's, <laughs> this is good well and you know one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation was um you know this is a conversation we hope people share mm-hmm. that they're listening to you as just a perspective um you know because again i i just think it's i think it's unfair because you want to be seen as humans your identity mm-hmm. is in jesus mm-hmm. and it just so happens that you're created in the image of god as black women mm-hmm. and and your first identity is there with jesus and i think sometimes you know as great as it is to be invited into perspectives it's also like what are you really interested in you know mm. zippy you play volleyball right yes i do you do and <laughs> you know rush it yeah you know yes. chloe you're you're going to rat yeah and you know just i'm kind of sitting with this you know we're we're human beings we're people with feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we're not we're not one identity one issue people and i hope that our listeners hear that Mm-hmm. as they talk with, you know, their friends that are black and their friends that are responding, you know, to to the racism where it's like, can we just, you know, sit at the table together and eat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I just I always think about this one incident that happened when I was a freshman in high school. It was this I won spirit leader for my grade. And then there was this one kid that was like, well, she only wants spirit leader because she's black. So like affirmative action type thing. And it was a vote. Like people had to vote for me to be spirit leader. Anyways, the day comes for pep rally day, homecoming day or whatever. And he is talking about me being black the whole day and was like so, I don't so upset that I had gotten spirit leader and he didn't and then yelled at the field you don't belong here so that was obviously shooketh for me I (laughs) did not feel good in that situation obviously being targeted so loudly and publicly um but I just I I almost have to laugh it's like I don't understand racism sometimes because it's like we we this kid we literally live down the street from each other Mm. we have this you know you're just a boy i'm a girl we go to the same school have the same grade point average like i don't know we have the same peanut allergy okay like i'm a human and you're a human like Mm. that's that's what i don't get sometimes it's like how do you not just see that i'm just a human just like you are and so yeah, I don't know. That was just... Well, the, the thing that makes me laugh about that is if people really knew you. So, Zippy and Chloe, you're very different. Like, oh, definitely. Like, Chloe, like, you walk into a room and people know it. So, like, you getting voted spirit leader, it just makes, like, a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you're... Mm-hmm. And Zippy, you're a little bit more behind the scenes Mm -hmm. smaller i mean am i right about that oh yeah definitely (laughs) i'm very observant Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'd be watching people too (laughs) i'm like "Mm, i saw that (laughs) and so i mean i think the thing that disappoints me about that story is if i was to pick a spirit leader like 
Chloe, you'd be it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was definitely. Um, I think, but personally, that was the first um, like personal racial incident that I've experienced. Of course, I've experienced other types of um, racial incidents with my family. Like my dad shared on one of the podcasts, previous podcasts, about uh, him getting pulled over and me and my sister were in the back of mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. That was a time where we were like, oh, crap, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, or even a couple of years ago, we crossed the border from from Canada to here. There was a moment where there was a little bit of fear, like, what's going to happen here? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> Tensions rose real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you just, those are more like family situations where we were able to kind of share mm-hmm. the... Yeah. share the tension and de-escalate together but that was the first one that i've like handled on my own which i really don't i don't really remember how i handled it i think i just cried but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and since then i've been able to grow and you know kind of stand up for myself and you know started the mosaics club at my school um and been able to have like real conversations with my superintendent and principal about issues that are happening um and just making sure that when I leave Penfield High School that my peers, my people of color peers, feel feel safe. Mm-hmm. That they feel like, okay, I belong here. I still need to educate and share my voice, but we've created a space for them to grow and to feel secure. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to, we could go in so many different directions. And uh, I was just thinking about this, John. I think Chloe and Zippy, you're the youngest people we've ever interviewed for the Why I Got Why oh, yeah. podcast. Wow. Cool. Um, but maybe the most mature. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty close one. Dylan, Dylan just yeah. went like this. Yeah. So He's and, a, Dylan's like, well, they're definitely more mature than John and Peter. I know that. I know that. I, yeah. No, I don't no know. fight, no yeah. fight. There. <laughs> so we like to close every episode with. Um, with just what would Jesus say about this question and um, so John and I start and you both get the final word and um, you know we realized that we only we talked about an, a small sliver of what's really going on but we hope that this conversation is just helpful um, mm-hmm. just listening to you is has been so um, affirming and eye-opening and I just think this is what we need to be doing. These are the discussions we need to mm-hmm. have. So mm-hmm. um, what does Jesus have to say about this question? Is it you or me first? Uh, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I think first Jesus would say, thank you, Chloe and Zippy, for being here. <laughs> thank you for sharing your hearts, because that's what you did. Mm-hmm. You shared your hearts, and um, that's a beautiful thing, and it really is. It was really a beautiful thing to hear from you guys. Thank so you. thanks. I mean, I think this, we, we asked the question, uh, why is everybody just starting to talk about racism, right? That was the how we framed it for today. And I would say that Jesus, it never left his mind. Mm-hmm. It ne- he, This is not a, a new thing for him. Mm-hmm. He is not mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this racism thing is happening. Mm-hmm. He, he confronted it when he was on the earth. And I think one of the most important things to to embrace about Jesus is that he has suffered Mm -hmm. and 
um, I think if we take that part away from Jesus, like it, it, it eliminates really who he really is. Like he has suffered at the deepest level of suffering and he walks with those who suffer. Mm-hmm. So as I even hear some of your stories and, and just know so many people have experienced suffering during this time, I, I just think Jesus would say, I, I've walked suffering too. Mm-hmm. And, um, he to know that he is right there with you mm-hmm. and and yeah and maybe because this has been about your stories i would just say hey jesus is with you mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. even in the midst of all of this that if there's nothing else for you to know it's that he's with you by mm-hmm. your side mm-hmm. in the midst of it all i don't know that's i've been thinking about this i appreciate your thoughts um i've been thinking about this a lot you know there's you know, I would encourage everyone, whether you're a skeptic or um, you've been following Jesus for a long time, I just want to give you two passages to think about. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, you know, Paul writes to Gentile believers who were, who were ostracized, who were left out, and he said, God is our peace, and he breaks down the dividing wall. If you forever doubted... Um, God's heart for racial reconciliation go to that passage because what John was saying about Jesus is so powerful he had Samaritans he had um you know Romans like people that didn't belong Jesus continually had had those individuals with him number two um Galatians 2 you know Paul specifically writes to Peter my namesake (laughs) and he says Peter, you used to eat with Gentiles, but then when you saw the Jewish people, the people that was, you know, where he grew up, he's like, I told Peter to his face that he was wrong for not inviting the Gentiles to sit at the table. These verses are from 2,000 years ago, but they're still true today. Mm -hmm. And the heart of what Jesus is saying from what John said is his heart is for reconciliation. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's gracious like Ephesians 2, and sometimes it's truthful and it's uncomfortable like Galatians 2. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we pursue the mess. And um, I just want to speak to both of you because, you know, you're you're such a, a gift to my family. Mm. Um, you know, I love your dad and your mom. And, you know, my daughter, we stopped over and social distanced and... <laughs> You would have loved this scene, John. All four of them were were jump roping. And by the way, Torrance, actually, no, Laquana was the best jump roper out of the four of you. But Torrance was the fastest. And uh, I say this to my daughter every day, but I want to say it to you. Um, You are loved by God. You're created in his image. And he is particularly fond of you. You are loved by your mom and dad and your church family. And we are particularly fond of you. Mm -hmm. And so I just, with all the stuff going on, I hope that you know that from us. Thank you, Peter. Peter. Oh, it's going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. That's so comforting. That really is comforting. And we love Haley. We really do. (laughs) We love her hair. We love her little smile, her little teeth. (laughs) My favorite part. (laughs) Uh, 
Um, but I think is our job now. Yeah. To... Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you want, go ahead. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, I don't, yeah, no, no, that's fine. I think yeah. it, people forget that per- Jesus was a person of color fighting social injustice mm. in his time on earth. So I think mm. as we remember that, remember to love your neighbor. Mm. Just love your neighbor. Like there's no, you know. I feel like even if you're not a Christian, you know that that's like the golden rule that they even teach in school to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And I think it was no coincidence that Jesus was a person of color, you know, because it makes it much um, easier for Christians to just look back and be like, you know, Jesus did suffer. He did go through this, uh, this experience for us and bear the burden for us. And I think one thing that I am walking away from this whole situation with is God's power. Regardless of anything that is happening, Jesus reminds us that he is still in control. He still has control of our lives, of our hearts, and he is a just God, period. There's no way around that. So although I might not have control over every little situation, he does. You know, he he sees the plans from beginning to end, and he will see through justice. So, mm-hmm. We thank you all for joining us, uh, <laughs> Chloe and Zipporah. We're so glad that you joined us for this uh, very heartfelt, meaningful conversation. Uh, if you'd like to find us, we're at whygodwhypodcast.com. You can use the hashtag WGWpodcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter at WGWpodcast. Um, and we're also on Facebook there too. Um, John, uh, can you just close us in prayer? I just think that's probably the best way for us to to end this episode. I would love to, I would love to. Yeah. Lord, uh, I just thank you so much for these, uh, two beautiful young women who we got an opportunity to talk with today. And, Lord, it's obvious that you've worked in their lives, that you're continuing to use them. I pray that they would experience your presence with them. I pray that they would they would uh, experience how proud you are of them, mm-hmm. that, that you look at them and say, that is my beloved daughter. I am well pleased in her. And, uh, and so, Lord, I pray for our nation, too. We need mm-hmm. you. Yes, we Lord. need you desperately. Um, we can't fix this on our own. As Chloe mentioned, these are these are issues of the heart, Lord, and we're powerless to change the heart. But Jesus, you are not powerless to change the heart. And so we go before you boldly and we ask you to use this this current crisis to change our nation, to, mm-hmm. to make us to make us more compassionate, to make us more like Jesus. And uh, for those of us who are following you, Jesus, I pray that we would use this opportunity to experience you deeper, to know you more, and to represent you more in our world. Uh, together, that we would be a, a, your image to this, this broken and hurting world. So we pray this all in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.